Hello, and welcome to episode 30, a bonus episode in a bonus series for October, November, and December of The Family Cookbook. This is more than just the family cookbook for Ancestors Alive Genealogies podcast. This is actually a jump back in cooking and in cultural history. Since October, November, and December all contain holidays celebrated with food, I will be digging into newspaper articles and giving you recipes from early to mid-20th century newspapers every week. This month, we'll be enjoying all kinds of recipes that celebrate Halloween or Sawan or Samhain, if you want to sound wrong. Next month, we'll look at harvest festivals and Thanksgiving. And in December, we'll look at recipes for Christmas, Kwanzaa, and Hanukkah. All of today's recipes come from the October 26th, 1913 issue of the Washington Herald. Every major newspaper of the early 20th century, and probably every minor newspaper as well, had a page like the Herald's Page for Every Woman. It was directed specifically at women. It was about food, housekeeping, and fashion. Although some of the ingredients, some of the clothes, and the overall lifestyle shot above the pocketbooks of many of its readers, the page painted a portrait of the perfect American housewife. If you think about current women's magazines or even just popular Instagram feeds, you can see the same intent being actualized in modern media. This page was edited by a woman named Julia Chandler Manns. I googled her, and it turns out that she was a popular dramatic critic of the day, and every woman was her solid gig. She had a little column on the page called Fables of Everyday Life, where she wrote these Christian-flavored morality tales. She suggested seasonal menus, gave cleaning tips, recommended perfect party favors, and generally told all women how to be the best wives they could be. This particular issue was centered on Halloween and featured recipes for sweets. The recipes themselves are familiar, but the ways in which they are strange or vary from now common ingredients or methods provide an interesting glimpse of the American palate of a century ago. And there actually are some differences that kind of make you wonder what people were thinking. So let's make some candy. First, fudge. The recipe reads, there is no end to the variety of fudges. Here is the recipe for a particularly good one. One quarter cup full of butter, one cup of brown sugar, one cup of white sugar, one quarter cup of molasses, one half cup of cream, two squares of chocolate, one and a half teaspoonful of vanilla. Mix the cream, molasses, white and brown sugar. Add to the butter, which must previously have been melted. Bring to a boil and boil vigorously for two or three minutes, stirring rapidly all the while. Add the grated or scraped chocolate. Boil for five more minutes, stirring rapidly at first, then more slowly. Remove from the fire and add the flavoring, which means the vanilla. Stir until it thickens. Pour into buttered pans and set away to cool. Dates or nuts, chopped, can be added. The really interesting part of that recipe is how heavily it relies on brown sugar and molasses rather than just chocolate. Because the fudge that I grew up with was like, you know, this 
kind of chocolate chips and condensed sweetened milk. So it's not as chocolatey as what we would eat today, not by a long shot. I guess that would make it less expensive to make, though. Also, dates in chocolate fudge? Meh. Not my method or my taste, but interesting. Next up, walnut creams. Two cups white sugar, one-third cup of milk. Boil together for seven minutes, then remove from the stove and beat vigorously. Add to this two pounds of chopped English walnuts. These must be stirred well into the cream. The candy must be molded or cut into forms. That's a shockingly easy one. And a friend showed me the other day that there are both brain and maggot-shaped silicone molds at Michael's. So this could be some walnutty Halloween fun. Next is something I'd never think of for Halloween, and you might want to hang on to it for Christmas. But again, it shows how notions of appropriate seasonal eating have changed over a century. Halloween fruitcake. Cream one half a cup of butter and one cup full of granulated sugar. Then add it to one cup full of sour milk, in which one teaspoonful of soda, which means baking soda, has been dissolved. Then mix in two cupfuls of flour, a pinch of salt, one teaspoonful of ground cloves, one scant teaspoonful of nutmeg, two teaspoons full of ground cinnamon, one half cupful of seeded raisins, one half cupful of currants, a little finely cut up orange peel, and also a little citron cut up fine. That means finely grated lemon peel. Some cut-up figs or dates can also be added. The more fruit, the better. Lastly, add half a cup full of chopped nut meats, which is just nuts. The fruit must have flour mixed well through it to prevent sinking. Bake in a moderate oven about one hour. The only trick there is the moderate oven. What's moderate? I would think 350 degrees Fahrenheit because for us that's kind of a standard baking temperature, but I would suggest looking at other fruitcake recipes for reference. Finally, here are two that are only for the more advanced candy makers. One is difficult because it's just plain difficult, and the other is difficult because there's a typo in the recipe and they actually left an amount of an ingredient out. So you'll have to play a guessing game. The first one, the difficult one, is fondant. Fondant slugs would be the bomb. One pound confectioner's sugar, one teacupful of cold water, one salt spoonful of cream of tartar. Stir all three ingredients together. Boil until it forms a jelly-like mass when dropped in cold water. Remove from the stove and let stand 10 minutes. Beat vigorously until soft, creamy consistency is reached. To the cream may be added chopped nuts or fruits, or it may be used to stuff dates or figs. Again with the dates. They loved the dates and figs, like dates and figs with everything. I guess because they were naturally sweet. I guess because they were dried and could store easily. I don't know. Now, the main problems I have with that are that fondant has always sounded like it's hard to make. And the measures in this recipe are a teacupful and a salt spoonful, both of which are imprecise measures in today's kitchen. In fact, I don't think anybody I know 
has a salt spoon in their house unless they have their grandparents or great grandparents stuff. Also, there's the jelly-like mass visual, which is just freaking me out in a general sort of way. I mean, freaking me out. Now, here's the last recipe. And you tell me how much coconut milk needs to go into this one, because I'll be darned if I can figure it out myself. They completely left it out of the recipe until they talk about putting it in. I'm adding this recipe in because maybe somebody out there can use it. I don't know. Nevertheless, here is the majority of the recipe for coconut candy. One cup grated coconut, one and a half pounds granulated sugar, one quarter pound stoned raisins. That means seeded, not wasted or drunk. One half pound of almonds, one pint pecans, one pint pecans, one half cup of chopped walnuts, one half pound of chopped figs. Boil sugar and milk of coconut, however much it is that you're going to use, together for five minutes. Add the grated coconut, boil for 10 minutes more, stirring constantly. Pour half of this mixture into a pan. Into the other half, stir the raisins, almonds, pecans, walnuts, and figs. Be sure that the mixing is complete, then pour this over the portion which is already in the pan. I gather that they want you to cut it up after that. Somebody didn't do their homework when they were writing this up, though, because they didn't even tell you, like, what to do once it's in the pan. It's woefully incomplete, but still, it sounds pretty good. I think that for a lot of people who like the idea of almond joy and stuff like that, this really might be a pretty nice recipe. And that's it. That's our Halloween bonus for the week. Thank you very much to Christopher L. Tanner and Connie Sabo for becoming valued members of the Patreon support family. They've joined my crew, which means they're financially supporting the podcast, advancing future episodes and future interviews with even more exclusive guests than we've had before. And they get to see exclusive how-to videos that I make for my Patreon supporters, among other perks that Patreon folks get. You too can join by going to patreon.com slash ancestors alive. Happy Sawan and boo! Expect surprises! (laughs) 